are. Hi, welcome, welcome to What's the Hook with Diane and Andy. It is, Andy, is it Thursday? Yes, it's Thursday. It's Thursday and we are fired up. Oh, we are all fired up. There's so, there's we've so got much going a lot on. To, we've got, we're ready to debate some things. Oh my gosh. We're ready to discuss some things. Andy is full of piss and vinegar, as <laughs> yeah. the old saying goes. He's just, he's not having it with me today. He's, he's. Just, oh, I'm always having it with you. I love you. We're going to be hashing but, a few things out. Yeah, we got, we got to, you know. But it's, but, but first we got to talk because it's been a big news week. It has been a big In the news world week. of television and streaming and everybody's paying attention you know Netflix had a bad quarterly report they had a, an earnings call and you know their their subscriptions are down by what 200,000 200,000 and that was a, a well, lot one for of Netflix. which was me oh, oh I take credit for part of this do tell Andy well remember we've talked about this on the show I canceled my Netflix a few months ago a couple months ago only for about two weeks because then I decided I needed it back but I just hit the point where the price, they keep increasing the price. Where yes, it's they do. Far above the other streamers. I'm at the $15 level. I'm at the 20 because I need Ultra oh, HD. Oh, you have the Ultra. I gotta okay. have, you know, they they were the first to introduce it. I'm because not downgrading. Andy's fancy. Well, yeah, I, you know, I got my big 65-inch TV that's five feet in front of me. He's so got a great TV. So, it's like, yeah. I gotta have the Ultra HD. So, yeah, but they did have a very bad news week. Um, and I don't know, you know, I'm not sure that, that this will hurt them. I think Netflix has a lot of other issues that they're trying to deal with right now. One is that, you know, the writers on their projects are starting to notice they can't really earn a lot of money working on Netflix shows because in streaming, a lot of the show orders are shorter. For those of us who are older, and remember when broadcast TV used to order 22 to 25 episodes a season, well, it's not like that in the streaming world. The streaming orders are anywhere from eight to, I think, 13 episodes a season. And writers then have to keep getting other jobs to try and even make what they would have made on one broadcast show. And it is just harder and harder for writers to get jobs right now. So that's another issue that Netflix is gonna have to deal with because Netflix, is the company, is making piles of money the Reed Hastings and Ted Sarandos are not hurting at oh, all. No. But none of that money, none of that, none of those riches are trickling down to like the writers on shows, to writing staffs. And Netflix is also using what's called mini rooms, which are much smaller writers' rooms. So again, a reduced amount of opportunities for writers. This definitely needs to be addressed because we want to, you know, if we want more people telling stories. There needs to be more jobs out there for them to get and to learn how to produce for television and to rise up in the ranks. That's what's especially important. Well, okay. I, I feel like they're taking less risks than they used to. They had so many groundbreaking, amazing shows that may, might not have gotten made elsewhere. I'm talking about six, um, the six, not six cents. Oh, it'll come to me. Okay. But like the OA. Oh, Sense8, sorry, Sense8, Sense8. one of my oh. favorite, favorite shows. These, like, really, really crazy out there shows that were amazing. And I don't I don't see them making that anymore. I think they're going for more mainstream, which is fine, And but it's... This is so interesting that you say this. Joy Press just posted a story on VanityFair.com. I haven't even gotten to read it yet, about this very topic. You, yeah. are, you are impression, Andy. Oh, good. Well, I mean, they're doing the Adventing Anna's very kind of middle-of-the-road content. And it's fine, and it's it's, but it's not working clearly in terms of continuing, you know, for them to grow. One of and the, yes, they're still making piles of money, but their stock has taken a major hit. Yes, I saw that. 
And the part of that's um, just based on, you know, people's impressions of the company, not based on their actual financial performance, obviously. The other thing I found very interesting was that Reed Hastings also said that they would consider a lower-priced ad-supported tier. I think they said tier. they're going to do it. I don't know if that if it was definite, but he said they were they were considering it. And then I was like, well, then you're broadcast television. Totally. Well, Matt Bellany, on his wonderful podcast. Oh, on the town. On the town. Props to Matt. Talked about that. And with a, um, he had an analyst on yesterday, and they were talking about how they have no, Netflix has zero um, knowledge or expertise in advertising. So they're going to have to build this really fast, and it's something they don't know how to do. Also, because their content never had ads, it's not designed, it's not written to have ads. Regular network TV That's with right. ads has natural breaks, you know, during the, the storytelling times. The when, act structure. Yeah, the kind of like cliffhangers where- You are correct, and, sir. And Netflix doesn't have that. So what are they gonna do? It's just gonna be these weird intrusive ads in the middle of a scene, basically. No, they have to, if they're gonna, they have to tell showrunners that the act structure has to be a little more strict. There is or some if they, structure. But if they go back and put ads into existing shows. Yes, that will be weird. Yeah. That will be weird. And I have a feeling they might have to call on showrunners to say, okay, we need to do this because you can't just drop shit That's in randomly. That's true. And showrunners I wonder, would be really then, mad if you all of a sudden take my existing show and start putting ads into it in, in I, weird places that completely yep. cut the emotional, you know, kind of... Through uh, line. Like through the emotional line through line, yeah. When it's something Pamela Adlon talked about with Better Things, she did an interview recently, I think, with The Hollywood Reporter, and she talked about how she doesn't want people watching it on FX you know, regular live TV because it's got ads. And she says, I don't want people watching my show with ads. I want it, you know, and it, her show was designed to be on network TV before streaming, but she doesn't want people watching it there. She came out and said that. She could say that because she's in her last season. Well, it's also, I mean, FX is premium cable, so they can do things where they have less commercial interruption. Mm, yeah. I'm fortunate in that I have the ad-free Hulu. Yeah, I do. So do when I. I watch it, it's just, you know, and also, boy... That was a beautiful episode this week that she did. But we're going to get to that I'm in a minute. I'm behind. Oh, whoops. I'm behind a week okay. on better things. All right. Um, also, in Netflix news, they did release some good news that Bridgerton season two is doing even better than season one. Of course, Netflix not releasing numbers. I think they did release some numbers, actually. That was another point that they were making on the, the town podcast. Yeah. That how are they going to have advertisers when they don't release their figures? You, the whole thing about purchasing ads and ad spend is you have to know how many eyeballs it's That's reaching right. in order to measure it and analyze I it. I already feel really bad for whichever ad sales exec they poach from somewhere around town because that's the only way they're going to find someone who can do this. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting. Definitely yeah. keeping an eye on that. And again, just making my point about pricing again. Okay. I haven't heard much analysis about this, but the fact is they are the highest priced you know, streamer during a period where there's increased competition. Now there's Peacock and Paramount Plus, although CNN Plus just got the ax. Did oh, you I did. I was going to bring that up next. It launched a month ago and they've a month already ago killed and it. Discovery shutting it down. David Zaslav making, making the hammer felt. It's like that yeah. was, and also they hired a fantastic executive to run CNN Plus, a guy named Chris Licht, who is helping run Stephen Colbert's show. He used, he also used to be at MSNBC and when uh, that was building up. They had Audie so, Cornish from NPR. <gasps> yeah. she, oh, that's right. Yeah, they poached her. Oh, this is. They're thinking, or at least what I've read, that she'll probably end up with some gig regular with, with CNN. CNN. Yeah. And yeah. Chris Wallace from Fox News and. Yeah, Chris Wallace I'm not as concerned about because yeah, really he's sort of 
later in his career. <laughs> yes, yeah. And I think he'll be fine. Chris Licht is a really good piece of producing talent. Wow. So that that I'm really curious, like what he's going to do. I'm um, also in some uh, big premiere news. Uh, as expected, the Kardashians are doing very well for Hulu. They're saying it's their biggest premiere to date for the service. Um, I I watched a little bit of the first episode, and it's pretty much the same as the E show. I can't see a big difference. <laughs> But God bless the Kardashians and their marketing machine. They're, yeah. they're just in full gear. Um, moving right along in, in premiere news, I was elated because Better Call Saul is back. And it had a two-hour premiere. And I thought it was absolutely... Well, I, I love this show. I, I'm just going to say my, my bias is with this show. I've been watching it from the beginning. I like it better than Breaking Bad. Go ahead. Go ahead and at me. I don't care. <laughs> um, that's a that is that's a uh, reasonable take. It's a really excellent show. Um, and I I want to. I have been raving about this on social media, but I thought the opening sequence set to the song "Days of Wine and Roses" was one of the most beautiful things I've seen on television recently because it gave us a glimpse of what's coming in the future of Saul Goodman. Yeah. And that's what I thought was interesting, because now we know that this final season is going to lead up to everything we saw in that opening sequence. And I know there are plenty of Easter eggs in that sequence. The one thing that keeps jumping out at me, besides the gold toilet, was oh, yeah. one of the people cleaning up and throwing things out. She picks up a notebook and sort of fans through the notebook and then throws it in a box with some cell phones and some other items. And I was like, that notebook's going to turn out to be really important Definitely. this season. And I just need to give a shout out to Ray Seahorn, who plays Kim Wexler. 100%. I was going to do this too. Go, you go. This is something we agree you go. on. No, she's phenomenal. She's so, so good in the show. She's the heart of the show. I mean, Saul Goodman's amazing. And, and, and uh, Bob Odenkirk is amazing. And their chemistry. Their chemistry is so good. Yeah. But she's never been nominated. I, she never got an Emmy. Which is just as the Jews say, a shanda. Mm. It is a crime. It is a crime. But here's the thing. Question. Do you think Kim Wexler's lesser, you know, baser qualities are being brought out by Saul? I had this debate with a friend who was over watching the show with me. Oh, okay. And I just said sometimes it's hard for me to believe she's going along with all of this. Like, why? You know, he just, you know, he's just doing so many, you know, sketchy things. She reminded me that the show did build this at the beginning when they were young and coming up together. They did all kinds of crazy things together and pulled all kinds of stunts together. So this is in her character. What I really love is in the... In the second episode called Carrot and Stick, there's a sequence where they visit the mom and pop tax preparers and they know that oh they're my scamming God. money. So much fun. And Kim is so cool and venal and it is devastating to watch her. I mean, this is part of why Ray Seahorn is so great. But she so coolly threatens these people. Well, and also the scene with Lalo in the house when he breaks into the apartment. Which one? Go ahead. Um, he breaks into the apartment and um, is basically like threatening 
Saul. And she stands up to him and basically yes. says, you have no idea what he just did. He just carried $7 million across the desert for you and not a penny. Oh, it's missing. Season, in season five. Oh, was yes. that the end of season five? That was Sorry. season five, yeah. I, I, it's a blur to me. It's, <laughs> I just finished season five and I watched the new ones Andy is trying six. to confuse me. I'm confusing everybody. Uh, my only, the only thing is like, I felt like, um, and I, having watched it straight through season five into season six, you know, it's a, it's a direct continuation of the story. Yes. There's a the element of like Lalo versus who's the guy um, Nacho Varga who's played by Michael Mando. Yes, it's like dragging on a bit. Like it, the the season five ended on a cliffhanger with the two of them, and now we're in uh, the second episode of season six, and we really haven't gone anywhere with that. I think it's just too much of a slow burn for you. I think you just want it to churn a little faster, and honestly, that's just not how Peter Gould and the writers do it. Their thing has always been a slow, slow burn. burn. Cause they let a lot of stuff they really let stuff sink in, which, which I admire. Also, I just think this is one of the best written shows on television. It's a I, I love this show. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Don't get me wrong. Okay. That one particular cliffhanger, I was like, okay, we didn't really get resolution. <laughs> now I feel like they're gonna stretch it out through season six. I don't know. They've got, you know, there's gonna be two parts to season six. The, uh, oh, the first right. part is gonna be seven episodes. Then there's gonna be a little break. Then there's gonna be the final seven episodes. I think. I think it's a total of, of fourteen. Uh, I, look, I am, I am just in, in, in on everything. I, I can never get over this show. I am too. I guess I just wish I could have watched. I wish it was all. Um, available for for binging. I just want to watch all of it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, just a reminder, seasons one through five are on Netflix. Season six, which is airing now on AMC, you can watch on streaming at AMC. That's AMC Plus. So you would have to subscribe to that, and I do not know the price of that off the top of my head. Um, another another cri- criminal act is that Giancarlo Esposito has not won an Emmy for the show. He was nominated three times, he um, and he was up against Aaron Paul, and Aaron Paul won, which I mean, oh wow, is that was totally the, justifiable so because wait, Aaron Paul's also phenomenal. But that would have been the Breaking Bad days. Breaking Bad, yeah, yeah. But he was—I don't know if he's been nominated for Better Call Saul, but I was just watching. I'm like, oh my god, he's so good. And then I looked up to see if he won an Emmy, and he hasn't. I'm like, oh, that's 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 not right. And Giancarlo Esposito, who has been in so many great movies, great television shows, who I will always think of from Do the Right Thing, and now because of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, he is the chicken man from Los Poyos Hermanos. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, well, very glad it's back. Just a quick mention, I'm still making my way through Our Flag Means Death, and honestly, this show is brilliant. It is so sweet. I just watched the episode where Rise Darby, like Steed, takes Blackbeard to a very fancy posh dinner party, and they just start screwing with the rich people. And honest oh to God, God. It, it was it's a brilliant show. This Jeez. show just gives me tingles of joy. <laughs> I, I've finished it now. And it's so sweet and cute. It's, and it's, it's a, a true a, bromance. It's yeah, a it's true a true Well, romance. it's more than just bro. Yes, but yeah. yes. Yes, but it starts that way. It's just a really sweet show. It, it, uh, it, it's, just, it's just so fucking cute. It's so fucking cute. And it's all about these pirates, but they've just turned it into this like kind of queer, gender-inclusive, yep. just really funny, sweet show. And what I love is that, you know, Taika Waititi, who is so multi-talented, just a wonderful actor, 
as well as a really clever director. I mean, as Blackbeard, I was like, be still my heart. Right? Like, woo! Yeah. I mean, I've always thought he's, you know, pretty cute, whatever. Because he is. Yeah, he is. He is. But as Blackbeard, I'm like, oh, sign me up with the the black eyeliner and the long hair. Shiver shiver me timbers. Shiver me timbers. (laughs) Oh, my God. It has um, not gotten picked up for a second season yet, and there's some like controversy online about that. The fact that it hasn't been picked up yet. I bet it's a scheduling thing. I bet it is. Taika because Taika's like busy. He's huge. He's everywhere. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, he's got it. yeah. So. Anyway. But they, it does end on a little bit of a cliffhanger. So um, we that, need we need that second season HBO. Amen to that. HBO Max. Yes. HBO Max. Um, Andy told me to watch Outer Range <laughs> on Amazon Prime Video. What do you think, Diane? I'm mad at you, Andy. Do you like it? Ma- no. You don't? No, it's a badly written oh, show. I- <laughs> I'm, so- I'm sorry. I know people work really hard on TV shows. I think it's just a badly written show. I love Josh Brolin. Lily Taylor. How nice to see Lily Taylor, Taylor in a show. I've loved her since Six Feet Under. This show like wants to be Yellowstone, but doesn't know how to do it. Well, it's Yellowstone with very, a little, very... A little bit of big, Twilight Zone. Yeah, right? tw- Twin Peaksy vibes. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about it yet. I've only watched, you know, I think the first two episodes are all that's are out right, right now. now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the vibe is working for me. I'm probably more of like a vibe person than than needing the whole, you know, storyline to be totally cohesive. So I haven't... I, I think it's probably a show that I'll... It's a phone in hand show. Got it. Yeah. I don't have to pay total attention this to it. This is a it. new genre for that Andy has yeah, like, I can, defined I for I can me. play, you know, Spelling Bee from the New York <laughs> Times on, you know, while I'm watching, which, you know, is fine. So I, I'm liking it, but I'm not going to sit here and say it's the most brilliant thing I've ever seen. Well, I am more demanding. <laughs> and I don't need him, I don't need the writer to give me like, uh, the, I don't need the writer to give me all the answers, but I feel like it's a bit of a mess. And I feel like they've thrown a lot of things in the pot, but they're not sure what to do. And it's like, dude, figure out the story you want to tell. And I realize we're only I'm only two episodes in. So, okay, I might keep watching, I might not. And yeah. you might be alone on this one. I don't know. <laughs> um, the last two episodes of Pachinko, we haven't talked about it. We didn't talk last week, but... Oh, gosh, this show. This show. show. And there's only eight episodes, and I'm so bummed about that because it's just so beautiful. I don't ever want it to end. I love this show. What's not to love? It's just, it's beautiful. The actors are beautiful. Everything. Yeah. Um... The There's cinematography, too. It's that, just yes. A, the whole show is just so gorgeous to look at. And I have to say, one of the thing, one of the many things that Pachinko does so well is it gives us a sense of history and a sense of the grief and loss and trauma that all of these people have suffered and how it's affecting their day-to-day lives. And I think this is part of a larger genre of shows right now that are all about past trauma. Yeah. And what past trauma is doing to us. And I think these shows are in vogue right now, especially in vogue because of the pandemic. That makes sense. Because we all went through a common trauma, so to speak, a common hardship. And I don't know if people think about it day to day, but there was also a really interesting article in a related note in the New York Times about an epidemic of loneliness that was happening in New York, but it was made even worse by the pandemic. Now, honestly, that article was in the New York Times, but I think it's kind of true everywhere. And it 
and it differentiated wanting to be alone from loneliness. There are some people who want to be alone and loneliness. And yeah, I got... versus situational, where it's not something you necessarily can control. And you're right. right. The characters in Pachinko kind of each have their own um, isolation, like, in, you know, kind of forced isolation from, you know, the cultures that they grew up in, from their families. Yes. Like, they're kind of all, you know, uh, trying to make sense of the world around them without a lot of control over yes a lot of them feel trapped in their circumstances which i think a lot of people can relate to and there was in episode six there was just a beautiful line where one of the men says if he lets his fear overtake him where are the lines of his being he goes where are the lines of my being and that made me think of one of our favorite movies defending your life because that movie is all about living with fear and I don't know about anybody else, but I thought I was getting a handle on my fear issues, and then the pandemic hit. Yeah. And I feel like I have regressed back to kindergarten. Oh, but yeah. Maybe that's just me. There's definite areas in my life that saw a setback of two right? years, basically, when the pandemic hit. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then also, you know, severance was also about dealing with trauma and loss, as we saw from Adam Scott's character who he learned at the end, lost his wife. Mm -hmm. And that's when he decided to go through the severance process because he couldn't deal with his grief. And again, these stories are very much a reflection of the times we're living in. And um, boy, oh boy. And I I just want to warn you, I, I jumped ahead and I watched the screener for this week's episode of Pachinko. Oh, okay. And there is another historical tragedy that is covered in the episode that drops tomorrow. So be prepared. Yeah, the whole um, situation with Sunja having moved to Japan. Yeah. Um, it's just really touching. And, oh. and how about fear helping uh, her, the, sister-in-law. her sister-in-law overcome some fear and be really inspiring to her by her fearless actions. Yes, to, to, to deal with the money problems, yeah. definitely. That's a cool through line with that show. Well, and also, one of the beautiful things about the show is, is he's showing the strength of women. Yeah. And that's why Suja is such a, 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 one of the many reasons she's a wonderful character. You know, she does what she I does, and she, she, is, yeah. she, she is of her own mind, and she's very sure of what she does, and it's it's... Oh, gosh. It's so beautiful. We're just going to gush. Yeah. We're just going to gush. And this show's supposed to go on for more seasons, right? I think it was... I would hope so. I think it was designed... I think I heard that it was designed as a three-season run to cover that the make whole sense. book. I have not... Have you read the book? No, but apparently the book's, like, epically amazing. Oh. I, heard, I, I, oh, yeah. I, I originally knew it was good, but the more I've listened to other people talking about it, actually people that have read the book are much more harsh about the show <gasps> because they're so attached to the book. Okay, that happens a lot. Yeah, it does. Hello, yeah. Outlander. Yeah, but it tells you like how highly thought of this show, the show, uh, the book highly was. Highly regarded. I'm yeah. like, how could anybody have any critique for this show? It's so beautiful <laughs> and, and thoughtful and brilliant, but people do who um, are really attached to the book. They're very different experiences. Yeah, so. yeah, which comes with the territory. Um, I wanted to touch on, on a lighter note, there is a show that Showtime previewed, they, they aired the preview episode and it's available on their streaming platform right now, called I Love That For You. And it stars Vanessa Bayer, Molly Shannon, Jennifer Lewis, um, and 
Vanessa Bayer plays a woman, Joanna, whose dream is to be a home shopping network host. They call it, they don't call it home shopping network on the show. They call it something else. Molly Shannon plays the star salesperson at the channel and Jennifer Lewis owns the whole thing. And Jennifer Lewis <laughs> is of course brilliant and funny in this. Um, there's a little twist in v- Vanessa Bayer's character, but it's a really, I think it, I thought the first episode was really strong. And like I said, Showtime dropped it as a preview and more episodes are coming in May. So check that out. Can we talk about Showtime? Is this, you know, that's the one that I almost never subscribe to. Okay. Do you think it's worth it? I know, um, here's what's what I the think other is, show? Here's what the I think is the gonna... First Lady. Yes. Which you had some which critiques also... of last week. I did, but you know, it's so good to see Michelle Pfeiffer and Viola Davis and Jillian Armstrong. Uh, sorry, I always say that. Jillian Anderson. Um, Jillian oh, Anderson. I'm so sorry. Wants, yeah. Jillian Armstrong's the director. Jillian Anderson. They're all really wonderful in it. I think the problem... No, the only problem I have with the First Lady is the way they edited the episodes. Yeah. It's, it jumps around too much. And I think it would have... I think it'd be better if we spent time with each First Lady, maybe for a whole episode. Or half and half, but they jump around way too much. Um, I haven't watched it. The critical reception has not been great. It's been fair. Yeah. yeah it's been fair. But I might have to do Showtime for a month just to watch these two shows for the myself. Thing is, I have a feeling at some point we're going to see Showtime and Paramount Plus merge because it's all under that same It probably makes sense banner. for them. It would make sense content-wise yeah. and value-wise. It's hard for these indiv- and that's why they shut CNN Plus, you know, kind of at the past. They just started it and it wasn't taking off so they killed it or they're going to um, it's hard for these independent networks to maintain a standalone streaming service. It's well, when the you've thing got is, your big guys. It's the corporate owners, and since the corporate owners are the same, I think Showtime and Paramount Plus. I believe they are. It would make sense for them to merge. Yes, that. it would, and to put all just maybe it all merges under Paramount. And Plus. people were so worried about HBO being watered down. You know, through the creation of HBO Max, which has a lot of other content on it that's not created by HBO, but it's actually worked pretty well for them. And I think they've managed to distinguish between what's actual HBO content and what's on the HBO Max platform, which is not necessarily at that same level. I disagree with that. I think it's a matter, I, I believe the shows for HBO Max are developed by the same creative team, by the same. Team that does HBO programming, but they have. Um, I'm talking about they've got like Comedy Central and they've got a bunch of other kind of. Um, yes, because all of those are owned by Warner Media. I know, but I'm saying it's all under HBO Max, and there was a lot of worry that like that was going to kill the HBO brand, having all this other stuff live oh, underneath oh, it. Oh, 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 I know no, you no. know that, but the main the normal oh, consumer doesn't normal, know that. I see. Okay. Okay. No, it's worse for them because it's they they're now kind of the I don't know number two or three kind of powerhouse under Netflix. I always think the more content you have to offer, that's a value proposition. It is. You're right. That's like saying, "Hi, this is why this is worth." But it was kind of kind of an experiment for HBO to HBO Max for the HBO owners to do that. Okay. Okay. But and I think it's worked, and now these other ones like maybe your Stars, your AMC, your Showtime which all have great content, 
but might not really command a full, you know, subscription separate fee. subscription. Totally you get need it. to live under something else. And people are making choices now. You know, they're making choices about which subscriptions they want to keep, like totally. you said, and which ones can fall by the wayside. You got to juggle a little bit. It's the truth. It's the truth. Times um, are tight. Gas gas is expensive. Well, on the free side, also, I watched uh, the Roku channel is doing some Roku originals. So I watched the Swimming with Sharks starring Kiernan Shipka and Diane Kruger because I love the movie, George yeah. Wang's movie from years ago starring Kevin Spacey and uh, Frank Wally. And honestly, that was when I was working as an assistant in show oh business. And gosh. boy, oh boy, did that hit some notes. Although I have never had a boss who threw anything at me because I will know that's just not happening. Oh, Lordy. Um, she didn't Shipka, work for Scott Rudin is what you're saying. I did not. I did not. Kiernan Shipka gets to play the young Hollywood wannabe in this version. And Diane Kruger plays her icy, cool, ex, you know, film executive boss, Joyce. And um, basically, the two women become sort of obsessed with each other. Um, Kathleen Robertson, I think, directed all the episodes. Uh, they're 20-minute episodes, and there's only six of them. So... It was okay. I wound so, up watching all of them. So this show was originally developed for Quibi. Oh my gosh! Oh, yeah. Out for Quibi. Yeah, Qu- Quick Bites <laughs> Quibi. I, I was listening to something about this show this week, and yeah, this was a, a Quibi show that then got um, brought bought by somebody else. Now, can you watch the Roku channel without a Roku? Probably not, right? Oh, this is an ex. I have a Roku, so uh, I use Apple TV, so I'll, I'll have to look into you'll it. You'll have to look. I'm curious, because I do not know the answer to that question. I didn't do my research on that. Um, did you get a look at any of Anatomy of a Scan? Oh no, is your net? So wait, is your Netflix on? Oh, I off? have Netflix. I don't even know that I actually let it lapse. I just told them <laughs> I was going to cancel, and then I was like, "Well, actually, I'm yeah, not." Yeah, you just made some idle threats. Um, but you know, I got counted in that two hundred thousand um, cancellations. I hope. Um, no, I haven't watched it. Okay. I'm really curious if anybody's watched it because uh, it is definitely just not a happy show. It's it's kind of, I don't want to say it's like a, a teeth grinder or anything, but it's definitely not a happy show. But it looks beautiful and rich and, you know, for the production and costume design, you know. And I do love Rupert Friend and Sienna Miller, so... Uh, I'm just curious if, if people will respond to it or not. I'm trying to, I don't think I've read much about it. Um, but I haven't, like, no. I haven't really Googled. So I also wound up watching a handful of episodes of Roar, which is now streaming on Apple TV+. And this is from Nicole Kidman's production company. Uh, and there's, it's the ladies who did Glow, Liz Flayhive and Carly Mensch. I think some of them click and some of them don't. Most of them have a bit of a, not supernatural event, but sort of a, huh, what can I say? It's not just straightforward. It's sort of, sometimes it's hyper-real, surreal. I heard something about Merritt Weaver and a duck. I haven't watched that episode. Oh, apparently there's something about her being in love with a duck or something to that extent. Oh, I'm going to look for that one. Yeah, yeah. It's... I, 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 yeah. There's an episode where Betty Gilpin marries a very, very rich man, played by Daniel Day Kim, who literally is only getting better oh looking as God. he gets older. Yeah. Good Lord. And he literally puts her on a shelf. She, he has her sit on a shelf huh. in his mansion all day so he can look at her while he works. It's honestly, there's, there's some odd stuff. Um, so if you take a look at that, do let us know. Very, very curious. 
let's see. The season two of Russian Doll. I started watching the screeners. I love this show because I love Natasha Leone. And I think Natasha Leone is basically one of the greatest like androgynous oh, she's so personas. Cool. Yes. She's so cool. Effortlessly cool. Yeah. Eff- I was really obsessed with the movie Slums of Beverly Hills. Totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. That was my entry into Natasha Leone. What I love is that. Oh, and But I'm a Cheerleader, actually. Two of my favorite movies from the. I don't know if I've seen that one. I know what that is. From the early 2000s, I think. What I love is that someone, like, likened her in Russian Doll to Peter Falk in Columbo. And I think that might be one of the best descriptions. She's got the voice. (laughs) I have ever heard in my life. That's awesome. I thought that was great. And as for season two, I feel like it's always hard to do a sophomore season, but I feel like the writers of Russian Doll have definitely, I don't know if they've exceeded season one, but my God, it is still so enjoyable to watch. I will be watching this, and I think we need to revisit after we we've both finished After it. we both do, yeah, yes. Yeah, because I love, yes. I just, the first season is one of my favorite things ever. Because it was great. Because it was awesome. Um, also, in season two news, The Flight Attendant on HBO Max uh, Kaylee Cuoco is back, and in fact, you'll see more than one Kaylee Cuoco this season. If you've heard anything about this season, you might have heard that the writers talked to the people from Orphan or- Black. Yes. I heard that too. Yes. To try to under- to try to you know figure out how do you handle multiple versions of one of character. a character exactly. So Cassie is sober and really struggling to stay sober because she still is a flight attendant and she is doing some informant work for the CIA, which is not easy for her because she's high strung normally and just even more high strung because of her side gig, as she likes to call it. Zosha Mamet is still there as her best friend and is fantastic. Love her her to pieces. And then Sharon Stone. Oh, Sharon Stone plays her mom. I haven't seen that episode yet. I have been watching the screeners, but... Uh, anyway, season two. I can't wait to get into this. Happening now on HBO Max, so get it. Um, oh, oh wait. Oh, also just a plus. If you're a Mythic Quest fan, Jesse Ennis, who plays the kind of wonderfully evil assistant on Mythic Quest, Jesse Ennis is also in season two of The Flight Attendant. So I just want to make. Sure. I love her, and I think she's really funny. Is she in Better Call Saul? She is. She played a legal assistant. Yes, I thought that was her. Sharp eye, Andy. Sharp I thought that eye. was her. I just, yeah, okay. And let's see. Uh, the We Crashed finale is going to be dropping tomorrow on Apple TV Plus, and then we'll talk all about Anne Hathaway again because again, she's way better than Jared Leto. Uh, <laughs> in the reality show news, the season five of Selling Sunset is also dropping tomorrow on Netflix. And I don't know, it's kind of a lot of the same thing, but if you enjoy it, you enjoy it. Um, they, they have a new person come on, a, a, a lady named Chelsea, uh, a woman of color, and she is a new agent. I don't know, I don't know. Sometimes I think the show is tired. It's sort of like, uh, again, that's one where you could have your phone in your hand. You know, it's like all reality TV to me. Okay, well that's well I Background don't think that's noise. true, but okay, <laughs> all right. Sorry. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, coming this weekend, I want to make sure you know about oh, Barry is Barry. returning. Season three of Barry. I've seen the first few episodes. It's even darker than before. All of your favorites are back, 
and boy oh boy Henry Winkler I think is going to earn another Emmy I think this show is just does it so well the writing you know on behalf you know Bill Hader Alec Berg just incredible this show wow it's and it's taken a long time for the show to come back because of the pandemic and stuff but it's very much worth the wait uh, tune in Sunday on HBO season three begins really terrific if you have stars Sunday night a great show called Gaslit is premiering and it's based on the slow burn podcast and it tells the Watergate story but it's not all the president's men so you won't just be watching a rehash of that it's about Martha Mitchell who back in the day was known as the mouth of the south and she was married to John Mitchell who worked in the Nixon administration and when the Watergate burglary happened they tried to pin some stuff on John Mitchell and this did not sit well with Martha. Hmm. Martha knew a lot because of who she was married to. And she started talking a lot about thinking that Nixon knew everything about Watergate. And let's just say they tried to silence Martha. Some very big names in this. Julia Roberts plays Martha Mitchell. Sean Penn plays um, John Mitchell. Dan Stevens plays John Dean. And Shea Wiggum, who was so good in Boardwalk Empire and many other shows, plays G. Gordon Liddy in what I think is a comically brilliant performance. And a special shout out to Dan Stevens because he showed up at the Gaslit premiere in New York wearing like a multicolored, it looked like a caftan, Andy. Mm. And it was one of the most fabulous things. He's always like a mood because he loves like designers like Paul Smith. He'll always wear something super colorful. This was just, he brought his own vibe. Nice. He brought like his own vibe to the premiere. It was cool. amazing. Um, there's more there, There's more coming uh, at the end of April, but we can talk about that next week. Because I, what, what are we doing? Yeah, I think we're good. I think we're good. Anything else that you've got your eye on? Um, no, I'm, I am excited for We Own This City on HBO, oh, HBO Max from David Simon and George Pelicanos, who, who created The Wire. David Simon did, yes, yes. David's, yeah. And George Pelicanos wrote on it. A, a terrific, terrific uh, drama about cops in Baltimore and yeah. police corruption. But we should talk more about that next week. But uh, there's, again, oh, the end of April is just crammed full of all these premieres. It's crazy. Is the Emmy cutoff coming up? Is that partly oh, why you know there's what? so many of I these shows? I have to shows? look that up. I, I think it is. Up. I think I heard that. I think that's in May. That might be in May or June. Yeah, so they're trying to get all these shows out now. You know what? We're going to do this thing called research for the next show. <laughs> anyway. No, I'm pretty sure that's partly why there's so many of these like high-end shows running right now. So. Anyway, I am on Twitter and Instagram at The Surf Report. Uh, and we are on Facebook at uh, Facebook.com slash What's the Hook. Yep. And Andy. And I'm Seriously Andy on Twitter and Instagram. Tell us what you're watching. Tell us what you're looking forward to. Tell us what you hate. I'm very curious about these things, you know. Tweet us or DM me, whatever you want. Um, we hope you're having a good week. Stay safe out there. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.